Yeah. That's no, them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bedtime. So they're of course going apeshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's just a natural yeah. reaction of kids. Right. When I guess when I want to tell Gus night night, he's like, no, and he like just runs nah. away. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's only one, but he understands the concept of <laughs> avoiding. Right. right. <laughs> Not going to do that. <laughs> Not going to happen. Okay. Not going to do it. <laughs> Not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Now that George H.W. Bush has joined the chat. Wouldn't be prudent. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. (laughs) Going to build that trap now. (laughs) Staking care of business. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today we're talking Minute 87. Hey, there's a lot of good things that 87 has going for it. For one, the most important, of course, this movie came out in 1987. Hmm. Hmm. I believe it just celebrated two weeks ago its... 33rd birthday so happy 33rd belated predator yeah happy birthday nice nice Uh, i was reading up on the number 87 and something interesting i found was it is uh the sum of the first four prime numbers when you square them and add them all up so two squared plus three squared plus five squared plus seven squared gives us 87 Oh, you know that that just <laughs> makes me makes my pants tight. Wow, <laughs> that's exciting! I love that. <laughs> I love some good prime number uh, trivia. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love prime numbers. I just I, I unabashedly uh, treasure prime numbers. Love them. Hmm. When I wow. hear a number, I think. One of the first things I think is, is that a prime number? <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As you do. Uh, you want to hear some other fun facts about the number 87? I do, please. You do. Okay. So the atomic number of francium is 87. Oh, I'm getting close <laughs> to finishing. <laughs> it is the ISBN group identifier for books published in Denmark. Oh, Wow. I I lost it there a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. How about the Wenger Swiss Army Knife version XXL listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most multifunctional pen knife with 87 tools? Now you're talking. Yeah. You're going camping. You're going to need that Wenger Swiss Army Knife. Yeah. 87 tools. Yeah, 87 tools. How thick is that Swiss Army knife? It'd be like the, as wide as your <laughs> both your hands put together. That's insane. <laughs> it's basically a toolbox you just lug yeah. around. <laughs> nah, it's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. He's got a fork here. <laughs> Here's a little cocking gun. Uh, crowbar. Machete. 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 Uh, please tell me we got some uh, sports figures. With oh, we do have a few. We have a, a couple Hall of Famers with some really smashing names. We have Willie Dr. Feelgood Davis. 
God, they had the best nicknames, man. The best nicknames. Dr. Feelgood. Uh, Hell yeah. Dave Casper, who, of course, was nicknamed The Ghosts. Obviously. Uh, you have another Hall of Famer. Those two are Hall of Famers, by the way. Dr. Feelgood and Casper. Er, yeah, The Ghost. <laughs> uh, Claude Humphrey, another Hall of Famer. And then um, some more notable, notable names. You have Rob Gronkowski. Gronk. Sure. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, you have Reggie Wayne, I believe, soon to be Hall of Famer. I think this was his first year of eligibility. Oh yeah, he'll he'll get in there pretty soon. Also, someone who's been on everybody's fantasy football team. Yes, well, him and definitely Gronk. I mean, sure, yeah, Gronk was like top one or two picks in every draft I was part of. Um, who else? Sidney Crosby is is the one hockey player we're having to drop in. I think we're, we'll hear of all of two different hockey players. During our minutes here, we'll hear we'll have Sidney Crosby here for eighty-seven and ninety-nine. We'll have the great one, Wayne oh, Gretzky. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just just ran a random name I picked out of the number eighty-sevens <laughs> of football was John Adams, <laughs> American president. Yes. <laughs> Instead of a helmet, he puts on the white wig. Oh yes, yeah, and he he delivers <laughs> historical. Blocks, right? Uh, let's see. Here, here he is, uh, John Albert Adams, a fullback in the National Football League. So he did deliver some punishing blocks, playing for the Bears and the LA Rams in the fifties and sixties. I will clobber you, sir, <laughs> like the oppressive English regime. <laughs> He's always tackling those redcoats. Right. Scoring touchdowns for the, the what were we, the revolution? His, his the colonies? Tights, his tights are always getting ripped. <laughs> bloomers are falling down. <laughs> the old bloomers. The buckles are flying off of his black shoes. <laughs> oh, poor. So, poor do, you, do you have any uh, connections to number 87? Uh, there's actually, I uh, just when you were naming some of the sports figures uh one uh, i think you missed or maybe you didn't put on here on purpose i don't know but is uh travis kelsey i believe is also 87 oh okay another you kind of inherited the uh gronk tight end fantasy yeah yeah probably yeah. will also eventually be in the hall of fame i don't know if i have any other connection to 1980 or 1987 just it could be 1987 sure whatever yeah 1987, I was seven years old. Notable because I think that's when I saw my very first R-rated movie when I shouldn't have at my friend's house, which was RoboCop on LaserDisc. Yeah. Come quietly or there will be trouble. Way too young to see that movie's fucking violent. <laughs> I can't believe I can't no believe that. Kidding. Yeah, I can't believe that kid's parents let us put that on, but um maybe they didn't know i can't remember but uh, i don't know do you have any other connections to the number 87 uh besides oh here i have one i just looked up the as you do on wikipedia <laughs> this is on june 12th very close to the release of predator hmm. might i add so let's look up predator nine and a fascinating 1987 it is released June 12th as well. Yeah. So June 12th, 1987, Predator comes out. What else happens on June 12th, 1987? Ronald Reagan tells Gorbachev to tear down this world. Oh. Yes. Well, a little history there. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah. Can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. June <laughs> 12th. 
crazy. <laughs> and John Adams <laughs> was running it in for the Bears. <laughs> Will not be denied. Who would John John Adams would play for the Patriots, right? That oh, yeah. is that is that too on the nose? That's no. I mean, that's the point of the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, the logo kind of looks like John Adams, actually. Yeah, the, <laughs> their most famous running back, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, should we talk about Predator? Yeah, we should probably yeah get back to talking about this minute specifically. Minute eighty seven. Uh, minute eighty seven of Predator opens with Dutch finally lowering that torch, uh, <laughs> and it ends with Dutch looking down at taking care of business. Mm, the trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. All right, so we're going to break this minute into two parts, mm-hmm. as we often do. Uh, all right, so the first part will be about the first 41 seconds here. We carry over from last minute. We see Dutch from behind as he lowers the torch, um, and then the camera cuts to kind of below the log, looking up at Dutch, and we see him toss his lit torch onto a large pile of wood that's below the log he's standing on. Cut back to Dutch running from the log. Back! Back! Mac, 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 Mac! To the base of a large tree, uh, all the while having his bow, aka no strings attached, slung across his back. He begins to climb the tree, using the vines to pull himself up. Last time we saw Dutch, previous minute, we had a little axiom cut as he was yelling with the torch in hand. And I'm noticing this here as he reaches his perch in the tree. It's, it cuts away to a far out zoom that cuts really quickly to a further out zoomed mm. shot. So I, I, it's like uh, McTiernan showing a little bit of this this technique. And I don't know if it's axiom cut. I did Google it later to see if it came up and it didn't. So it must go by another name when you cut away, but you're looking at just like a wider angle or in some cases a closer angle. Hmm. Interesting. But again, giving us that kind of scale of, of how high up he just climbed. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I like this torch throw. I think this is a cool shot. Mm Hmm. The camera down below, you, we get a, a look at what is kind of underneath this log. We see lots of little vines and roots and stuff coming off this log. And the camera just sort of tracks the flaming torch down onto this pile of wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is a minute full of like childhood uh, dreams right here. Like playing <laughs> in the mud, playing with fire, Climbing trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is good stuff. So, making weapons. Making weapons. Yeah. So uh, is it? And when he throws this down, oh no, never mind. For a minute, I thought it was raining, but I don't think it is. That's just kind of the fog. Really? Um, you thought maybe some rain, huh? I, I thought at first, but uh, what I'm seeing is just the long vines hanging down. For a minute, I thought that was like rain streaks, but I, mm. I, that's not right. Uh, yeah. So we get a nice big bonfire going on down here. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the purpose of this bonfire is? Uh, I was wondering this myself watching this minute. I mean, in a way, it's to draw the predator out, but knowing the predator and the predator, I take being a pretty smart adversary. Um, what hope does Dutch have of the predator just going to that fire like a f- moth to the flame? Um, maybe, maybe the predator just can't help it and, and 
maybe we'll think of it as a challenge or maybe the predator is so unaware that he'll just go up to it anyway. But at, at any rate, I believe that the purpose of setting this fire is to draw the predator to that spot. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think ultimately, not to get too far ahead of myself here, but I I think the this whole section, this whole minute, what we're really seeing here is Dutch lighting this fire. He's ready to start battle, right? He's mm-hmm. lighting this this fire. He's climbing up into the tree to get a vantage point. And I think he's trying to draw the predator down here towards his trap, right? I think that's his ultimate goal is to try to get the predator to fall for his his trap, his uh, stake and care of business. Yeah, because he is looking at it um, later on yeah. in a minute. Yeah, we're, we're to believe that he's putting all these pieces together in his head and he's putting a lot of forethought into it. And the note I made of it, it seems like he's putting way, way, way more thought and preparation into this than when he had the whole team working together. Like, what a shame that was that really buggered up. Yeah, yeah, right. When he had all that manpower, mm-hmm. they did not take advantage. I guess they were so focused on getting to the chopper. Get to the chopper! Uh, yeah. Rather than fighting back. but uh, And so here he just has his one singular focus, which is uh, fighting with the Predator. Um, I really like this long shot of Dutch running across the log mm-hmm. after he has started this fire. And we see him kind of run through the woods. It really looks like when you were a kid running through the woods, like he's kind of dodging sticks and logs and, and runs on up to the base of this big tree and just right away scales this tree like a boss mm-hmm. uh, and gets all the way up here. He is super high up in that tree when they, they pull away. Yeah, he, he made some good progress. He's a, he's a mighty good climber. Did you ever uh, climb trees that high in your youth or your adulthood? You know, I climbed trees as a kid. I, I you know, I, I spent a lot of time at my friend's house whose mom babysat me a lot and they lived near acres of woods. And so we would climb trees and stuff. Nothing ever this high. This is, uh, it would have it been a little too high for my comfort. And also, uh, you know, in the Northwest here, we just have like tall fir trees mostly Mm -hmm. that are not easy to climb (laughs) without equipment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So nothing ever this high. You? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the South in Tennessee. And so you'd have uh, a lot of good sized deciduous trees, Mm -hmm. especially like in the fall when all the leaves are falling out and it's a little bit easier to uh, grab onto those branches. I I do remember climbing up high in some trees, particularly in my friend Derek's yard. He just had some monster trees that we would climb up sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember many details besides like being so high up and being scared because I don't like heights. But it was uh, kind of that empowering adrenaline feeling when you're able to like put yourself up that high. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Power of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never did the thing where I go up in a tree and just like watch like Dutch is doing here. I think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool little method. I, I think there's some callback here to maybe how the predator hunts, even though we don't see the predator necessarily setting traps or using things as bait. We definitely see the predator using the trees. And it's yeah. something that... Um, Dutch noticed a long time ago when uh, most of the team was still alive. He said something along the lines of, he's using the trees. He's using the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, Billy throws out like a hunter. So uh, this must be Dutch's version in his mind of uh, becoming a hunter. Came to get the body. This bodies. He's killing us one at a time. Like a hunter. Yeah, you know, say what you will about the trap. You can argue whether or not that was a good idea. But uh, climbing up and, you know, that last 
shot we get at about second 41 of him sort of crouching down in the tree really illustrates what a good hiding spot he's got here because he's up really, really high and it's pretty dark outside still. And as he lays, you can see him, his silhouette, just lay down against the large log and he just really blends right into that tree. And uh, any normal person walking by would never see them up there. Yeah. No, and especially if he's covered with mud, then any right. predator, normal predator, is not going to see him either. Right, right. Speaking of the shot here, the lighting of this section is cool. Oh, it's fantastic. I, I, because you know as soon as he throws a torch down and they make the cut to still under the log looking up that they're adding that glow. There's no way you can just control the fire to give that glow, which means it's... Most likely, at least, you know, that's that's a jump maybe for me, but I, I do think it's an artificial light they're going for, even though you see some flames flickering up um, at him a little bit. But that glow from under the log when he's looking down on it and when he's running off the log, in my opinion, even better glow because it's like, it's almost like he's running from danger there. And yeah, like you were saying, the lighting is just so well done. Uh, I give full credit to the DP, Donald McAlpine, yeah, it's it's really pretty spectacular filmmaking. Like, because you've got the light, like just the composition here is really amazing. The light of coming from above of like the early morning light coming up in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So you can tell that it's almost morning, you know, and then on top of that, the the glow, you're right. I think that is probably artificial light down there creating that glow. And it's all backlit on Dutch so that he's just a silhouette running almost the entire shot. Um, so everything in the foreground is, is dark, like a silhouette. And then everything in the background is just glowing with these different shades of light. It's really cool. Um, it would be a really neat still or, uh, to have of this movie. It's just one of the, one one of the more gorgeous shots in the film, I think. Yeah. And I think if you were to show that still from the scene to somebody, just bodies, they might even mistake it for a still later on in the movie. I made that note in my notes is that it really reminds me of later in the movie when he's running from the predator who's doing the little countdown and the billy laugh right right good call yeah (laughs) so maybe a little foreshadowing maybe it's just accidental that this filmmaker makes it look like this Uh, i think it's yeah I i think it's connected yeah very cool all right any other thoughts on this section uh, the last thing I wrote is that he's been holding this torch for about 35 seconds up like this. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, my hand. Ah. <laughs> exactly. It's not like a match where, you know, it works its way down quite quickly. It's it's still lit just at the tip there, and then he throws it into the bonfire. Mm. Uh, but he's, he's holding up uh, quite, a, quite a long time. I wonder what the, the idea behind just holding it up. Maybe it's to make sure his scream echoed for... 20 more seconds. <laughs> yeah, he had to get all he could get from that roar. Because you don't want to stand there on for too long holding that. <laughs> right, yeah, because then you, ju- you just become the bait. Right. <laughs> you became the, the bait in your own trap. <laughs> right, that was, right. That kind of defeats the whole purpose of this. <laughs> yeah, throw that shit down there. Get that fire going. Yeah, kick the tires and light the fire, right? And that's what he says <laughs> on Independence Day, Harry Connick Jr. to uh, Will Smith. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Sounds right. Yeah. Kick the tires and light the fire. When I saw Independence Day, <laughs> gosh. So let's see. That was 1995. 
sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds about right. So I was like, you know, probably 15 or so. Oh, um, 96. 96. Okay. What a movie. Watched. Yeah. Well, we watched that movie in the theater. I was with a friend of mine. <laughs> My friend, at the, as it ends, he turns to me and he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, I want to go back and ask him. I wish I could uh, go back and ask him if it's still his favorite movie. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Oh, that is. That's like the perfect thing for a fifteen-year-old to say, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember how excited I was watching that. Just like and all the oh, good yeah. guys coming through in the end. Oh, that was like a that was a true summer blockbuster like event. Yeah, like, you know. Will Smith was really at the top of his game there. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Earth. He was right in that midst of that, and <clears throat> I think Men in Black and Wild Wild West came soon yeah, after that. So yeah, that yeah, that little run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wicky Wild. <laughs> Wicky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you ready to move on to the next? Yeah, or so the second part. So we'll take this from about second forty-two till the end of the minute. Um, we cut, so we, Dutch is hiding up in this tree now. And as he settles in there, the fog kind of moves across the camera. And then we cut to a shot right behind Dutch as he's sort of peering off of his perch, uh, looking down at his blazing fire below. Um, we get a nice shot of that with a beautiful rack focus and we can see it burning away down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from his point of view, we see him looking at the log and then back at his handmade trap, which we alluded to a moment ago, which we have called staking care of business. Every day. Which we learn in this shot is essentially right below him, uh, right below this perch. Mm-hmm. And that ends the minute. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of neat to think that, and I've said this in the previous minutes, of course, but uh, to me, it's really neat that all this is taking place in one location, that there's the giant log and the giant log happens to be right over where he swam ashore um, and was discovering that he was hidden by the mud and then taking care of businesses right below that giant tree. He was looking up at that giant tree a few minutes ago, if you remember, and we were thinking, like, why is he looking up at this tree? Like, what does this tree have to do with this whole plan. It turns out, well, this tree is giving him the old catbird seat where he's looking down. He has the higher ground. Um, so he has that advantage of being able to look over everything that he is uh, set into motion. Yeah. I, I never thought about that before. And honestly, I, I don't think I ever really realized that until we started watching this minute by minute for this project. Oh, same. Um, yeah. Which like, you're right. This all really does take place in one specific location of the jungle. If you had asked me, you know, a while ago, I would have said that they're running all around the jungle and it's happening all over the place, but it's really not, is it? It really just happens in this one spot near Mm -hmm. the log, near the lake, near the waterfall. Um, And that, that is pretty cool. I didn't even know he was looking down at taking care of business until I was watching this minute for like the third or fourth time in a row. I really had to look at it hard. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, I think that is supposed to be his trap right there. Mm-hmm. And I read your notes and and your notes confirmed what I was thinking. So, well, good good job, us. Yeah, good job, us pat on, patting ourselves on the back virtually. Mm-hmm. But do you see at all the counterweight, the huge log that he was hoisting up as the counterweight 
Uh, I don't see it in the shot. Mm, now Now that I know taking care of business is right below him, I have to know that the counterweight is somewhere around here. Yeah, but the counterweight would be hanging up high in the trees, right? Yeah. So the camera doesn't isn't ever high enough up because when we, you know, at second 48, we're looking at Dutch's eyes as he's peering off the log, and then it just cuts. And when it cuts over, I mean, the camera's already looking at like the base of the tree. Well, um, I was thinking like when it... Axiom cuts and you see him like settling into the tree. Could you possibly mm. see? Oh, right. Yeah. Shot? I, I don't see it, but who knows? I, I, I'm curious now. It's going to be one of the things I look for now is I'm going to be looking for that counterweight yeah. along with other kind of landmarks to tell us we're in that same area. Cause to me, like, yeah. in, in the past, when I watched this, I don't, I never put it all together. This is all in the same area. Like the taste taking care of business is about, I don't know, 20 feet from the big log. It's super close. Right, yeah, because he just runs across the log and up this tree, and he can look right down at it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for uh, predator landmarks that will help keep our geography here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and they're taking care of business, of course, when he's running from – gosh, how are we missing all this? When he's running off the log in the first place, and you back in about a second – uh, 12 or 13. Mm, yeah. I'll say second 14 or 15. He runs off the log and then to his right is taking care of business. There's a little ravine in the roots. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Like you said, the counterweight's probably high and maybe it's, I don't know, in some other position or maybe it looks like one more thing that production design didn't want to have to f- try to fiddle with is putting a log up. Right, right. <laughs> Just for continuity's sake that no one else is ever going to see. <laughs> but right. where's the log now? And for two nerds watching this movie minute by minute. <laughs> right. It's like, give us the alien. We won't see the alien. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, at the very end here, uh, talking about sound, we, we get some predator clicks. We do. Yeah. So these start, I'm listening now. Great score, by the way, through here. Yeah, some little mysterious kind of deals going on, like a little like really uh, Raiders esque to me. Yeah, um, it's right at the end. It's just the last couple seconds of this minute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's looking around. You might mistake the fire clicks for the predator clicks, but there are two distinct things. Uh, the foley work is really well done here, and kind of fading out the fire clicks, the little whatever the fire crackling with the predator's own clicks so it goes Mm -hmm. kind of from those snappy burning sounds to that clear horseshoe crab like sound that yeah the predator clicks like when you really listen for it once you hear it you know that's what it is it's it's a distinct sound so that's cool so we get uh right away we're learning that his uh his plan here is somewhat working, right? If right away we can start to hear some predator clicks, we we know that the predator has been, uh, you know, alerted or drawn in by this fire. Mm-hmm. But uh, of course, the minute ends before we find out exactly where the predator is. Right now, we're just waiting. We're watching, just like Dutch. Mm-hmm. In the original script, here it diverges again from what we've seen in the movie. Instead of Dutch setting up all these traps in the script. He is 
basically playing the Billy role. He's finding the predator's literal footprints and tracking the predator. Where to? I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm just going to kind of stay uh, in pace with the movie. But uh, he is definitely becoming more and more Hunter-esque in the original script. Oh, that's interesting. So he's, instead of setting a trap and waiting, he's just going right after it. Yeah, there was no trap making in the original script. It's just Mm -hmm. simply him chasing down the predator but still covered in the mud and he still made the bow and arrow and the predator is preparing himself. But uh, it's, it's kind of a curious little read and and it's a fun read too that original script because it plays out so differently in the end. I I highly recommend you seek that out. And if people out there want a copy, I can send you a copy. You can always email the show predator minute at gmail dot com. So uh, I'm excited moving forward. We're really getting into the showdown here. I know I've been saying that for the last couple episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is going to happen. In in fact, uh, not to spoil things, but I believe if my memory serves correct, in the next couple minutes, we're going to start to get some confrontation. So mm. uh, I am very excited to start getting into it. We'll see. Hopefully Dutch isn't just kind of hanging around for a few minutes here. Like you might really expect a, a hunter to be doing <laughs> instead. It's like, minutes is not just Dutch sitting in the tree, <laughs> <laughs> just looking around, <laughs> looking down at the trap and the fire for a good 20 minutes. Nothing yeah. happening. Nothing. Come on. Or just the whole jungle catches fire. And then the rest of the movie is him escaping a large forest fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> He was the real predator all along. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The title just took on a whole new meaning. Yeah, exactly. He's a forest predator. Yeah. Destroying the, the, uh, the, uh, rainforest. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. What was that rainforest animated movie? Uh, Fern Fern Gully. Yeah. Fern Gully Two: Dutch's Revenge. <laughs> Fern Gully burns. Fern Gully burns. Uh, I wonder Return if there was a Fern Gully. Gully. Destruction. <laughs> no survivors. <laughs> I'd watch that shit. <laughs> you would not. Well, if Dutch is in it, yes. Arnold's in it, yes. Yeah. Of course, we both would. We'd do a podcast about it. Yeah. Hey, well, there was a Fern Gully too, now that you mention it, titled The Magical Rescue. Oh, that's a shitty name. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, think about Dutch's team. They're their rescue team. They're not assassins. Oh, true. We are rescue team, not assassins. Uh, <laughs> magical rescue team. Parentheses, not assassins. We are rescue team, not assassins. All right. Well, uh, do you have any other thoughts? On this minute, minute 87 of Predator. On the number 87 or minute 87? <laughs> minute 87. Oh, yeah. I am spent in terms of minute 87. All right. We've done it. Should we jump into recommends? Let us jump right into the recommends. So, Jeff, why don't you take it away? Okay. Um, I, uh, I don't have a, a movie to recommend this week, although I will just very briefly piggyback off last week's recommend. Last week, I talked about The Five Bloods which I uh, will still um, urge anyone out there to watch if you haven't already. Um, on top of that, I listened to a podcast this week. One of my favorite podcasts is called Friendly Fire. 
uh, starring uh, or oh, one, yeah. of, one of the hosts is friend of the show Adam Pranica mm-hmm. uh, among uh, two others Ben Harrison and John Roderick but anyway they did uh, an episode on to five bloods they they normally choose movies from a list at random but occasionally when new releases come out that are war films they will uh, take a break from the random machine and uh, review that film so they did to five bloods and it was an excellent excellent episode really good analysis and conversations and really made me want to watch the movie again, uh, mm. which I think I'm going to do in this next week. Cause I want to show it to my wife. So my wife, my wife, my wife. Uh, so check that out. If you liked the movie or just thought the movie was interesting, uh, check out the friendly fire episode uh, on it because um, it's a great, it's a great uh, follow-up to watching the film. Um, and then, uh, my second quick recommend is, uh, some whiskey for, uh, <laughs> for, for father's day. Uh, my wife got me a, a bottle of red breast, uh, Irish whiskey, which is a 12 year, um, Irish whiskey. Um, and it is advertised as a single pot still Irish whiskey, and it is delicious. I recommend it just on the rocks or neat if uh, that's your thing. Um, but uh, it's got a really nice, smooth finish, and um, I love having a bottle of the good stuff. And uh, my wife really came through. This is a, a good bottle, so check out Redbreast Irish whiskey. Neat. Yes. Neat. Yeah. Hey. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. Yeah. So check out Whiskey on Father's Day. Right. While check listening to the Friendly Fire episode on The Five Bloods. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool when a podcast uh, puts on a movie review for a movie that you just saw that you really enjoy. I was super excited to see it when it dropped because uh, I had been thinking about the film a lot and I really like hearing those guys' uh, thoughts. I think they're really good film analysts and so it was um, it was a real treat. It was a great episode. Hmm. Have you been uh, tuning in still to the uh, Porkchop movies? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. Um, I think I'm all caught up on the Porkchop feed. Okay. Uh, yeah, they've been. they did a Jack Ryan movie. I think they did Patriot Games. Mm. And then their latest pork shop feed was actually um, a Q&A episode where they just read off uh, reader mail and answer questions, which was also kind of fun. So, mm. yeah, become a maxfun.org donor and you, too, can check out the uh, donor feed. A max fun? Max. Max.org. Max.org. <laughs> okay. What you got for us this week, Mr. Zorro? Okay, okay. I'll... Uh read you the tagline first from imdb okay everyone assumed sasha and marcus would wind up together except for sasha and marcus reconnecting after 15 years the two start to wonder dash maybe question mark a rom-com is that what we're a talking rom-com about here? starring ali wong and randall park called uh-huh. always be my maybe it's on netflix sarah and i watched it on our 10th wedding anniversary last week congrats and, hey nice. thanks that's awesome. I think it's the uh, 10 or aluminum anniversary <laughs> as I was looking it up. <laughs> Did you just give her a can of beer? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and watch this movie. Hey, and I made. Uh, did you ever go to Hotcakes? Have you ever been there, that dessert place in Seattle? No, I've heard of it, but I've never been there. So good. They do these little chocolate molten lava cakes. Yeah. It's scoop a ice cream. Cut. Yeah. I looked up the recipe. Super simple to make. It took all of like four ingredients and I made that. Uh, and 
it's a really really good uh, chocolate molten cake. It's super easy. Wow, awesome! Look at you. Yeah. So uh, made that. We watched this movie. Always be my maybe. It's uh, it's really strong recommend because it was written by Ali Wong and Randall Park. Basically, one's a comedian, Ali Wong, in real life, and Randall Park has done a lot of I think UCB in the state kind of deals. Uh, those kind of like sketch comedy. Uh, work over the years and he's in a ton of stuff if you saw him you recognize him from a ton of things mm -hmm. uh, but they're the right the, the two items the two people making up the item what's the word i'm looking for they're the <laughs> they're the rom-com partners in this movie and it's really really funny and uh, the characters are neatly written of course it's them writing basically versions of themselves uh, which i enjoy uh, probably my favorite character besides them is the father of Randall Park, playing, played by James Sato, or James Saito, who looked really familiar. And then as soon as I looked up his IMDb, it was confirmed, yes, he's familiar because he played the Shredder in 1990s live-action Teenage yes. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Brilliant. Yes. yes. He, he is a hilarious part of this movie, Always Be My Maybe, and a uh, strong recommend just because it's so funny and uh, the characters are super likable, in my opinion. How did you like that Keanu Reeves uh, cameo? Oh, so good. Did you see the movie? I have seen the movie, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a very good... Re it's, uh, you know, it's a rom-com, has all the tropes of a rom-com, but... Um, I like Ali Wong as a comedian, and you're right about Randall Park. He's great. And so they're just a really good combination. It's fun. Yeah. I, I, I almost wish that Keanu Reeves wasn't spoiled in the trailer. Oh, was he in the trailer? Oh, he no. was. Oh. He was, like, pretty heavily featured in the trailer. So I somehow like, didn't have that spoiled for me, so I got the joy of being surprised to see Keanu. Yeah. That's great. Because when I... <laughs> put on my list and thought oh that'd be fun to watch with sarah and it was just a blast just like crying laughing at some parts yeah good date movie nice work yeah, yeah. thanks hmm. all right so um speaking of date movies where can people find you on the twitter <laughs> jeff <laughs> I on the twitter i am uh, <laughs> jeff glover carl underscore hungus 314 come follow me there my name is carl he's been expert uh just tweeting about date movies <laughs> tweeting about snuggling up to your precious and watching some romantic comedies mm. where can we find all things predator minute well you'll find things always be my maybe minute at oh no that's oh the next project, next project. Yeah. <laughs> from now on we're just gonna throw out a whole bunch of ideas for other minutes yeah yeah <laughs> always be my maybe minute Always be my minute. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I think with the title that good, I think we have to do it. <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Uh, okay. Maybe we'll do it. Uh, you'll find Predator Minute on Twitter at Predator Minute. You can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com. Most of our listeners go to the Predator Minute listeners Palapa on Facebook. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. To make their thoughts known. And if you're curious about what people are adding to the Predator Minute listeners Palapa, well, it's a bunch of primal yells. So many primal yells. Thank you, all uh, all you awesome listeners, for posting those. That was great. Yeah. Did any of those uh, stand out to you? I actually, I know which one stood out to you. I think the one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off probably stood out to you. Cameron's <laughs> scream. 
that was a good one. I would not have thought of that one. Um, gosh, what were some other ones? Kin- the kindergarten cop one was good. Yes. good Someone right. also corrected me and said that the better scream from Braveheart is at the end when he screams, uh, when he's being tortured rather than the one before the fight. But uh, 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 I would argue that one fits the one you did because that's them going into battle and that's kind of what Dutch is doing. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but those were all great. Uh, I loved seeing all those posts. That was great. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, uh, for all things Predator Minute 87, I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> <laughs>